Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. I just love this time of year with pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin muffins, pumpkin shredded wheat, sweet cinnamon pumpkin body spray. All right, all right. It's time to grab your favorite pumpkin flavor treat and join RDTN as they interview Adam and Brady Sadler about their new game, Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game. Plus, they do a quick preview of Pandemic Legacy, The Gallerist, and Blood Rage. Oh, look, Marty, pumpkin scented toilet tissue. Welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 79, Master of Puppets. I am your host, Marty. And I'm Tony. And we are a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. And Tony, I'm excited because we have some uh, more great guests coming on this episode, this episode, this time. Wow. I have a nice tongue-tied thing to say. It's, it's like you're redoing a video you just recently released last week when this hits that you couldn't say anything in the outtakes. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, I did another Marty's Musings of a Broken Token insert. I I did a review of the Lord of Waterdeep insert, Lords of Waterdeep mm-hmm. insert. I was getting mm-hmm. ready to say the Lords of Waterdeep, thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I did the, I don't know if it's famous, more than more like infamous um, shake test. And I did one of those and have some bloopers at the end and anything. So if you want to go check that out, you can go check out our YouTube channel at Roll Ice Take Names and see it. And my only one question to you, sir, is were you? how bad did the tape hurt on your hairy feet when you had to pull it off? It hurt pretty bad. I could tell, man. I was like, uh, if packing tape. I bet Vanessa enjoyed pull it, peeling that off your feet. It wasn't packing tape. That was actually um, first aid tape. Oh, first aid tape. Ooh. And I don't want to know where you got leggings. I don't want to know. I actually had to order them off Amazon. See, the stuff I do for the show, the dedication to the craft. Enough about the inserts. What have you been playing lately? I know you hate that question, but what have we gotten to play? Our first impressions of a great what game. What a typical podcast intro. Isn't it though? Isn't it? <laughs> okay, fine. Um, I finally got the copy of uh, The Gallerist from Equal Griffin Games from designer Vital Lacerda. And I, if I say that wrong, I apologize. He was the designer of Kanban, which Tony, you know, was a game I really liked in 2014 and so when this came up on kickstarter i said oh i am so backing this it is the, the idea behind it is that you own a art gallery and you are out, out trying to discover artists and buy pieces of their art and make them more famous then turn around and sell that art for a higher price than what you bought it for and the whole goal of the game is you're trying to make the most money by the end of the game but tony at its core it's just a simple worker placement game no not your definition of worker placement game a real <laughs> worker placement game you only have one worker and each each time you have four locations you can put your work on that location and each location offers you two actions and that's really it in a nutshell it's the only thing to learn how to do is how to obviously utilize each location to your best ability to to create resources that you're going to need to buy paintings and all this stuff but i got to play it twice with vanessa after the first game it didn't click with me very well on how it worked the designer got on twitter with me explained a few things with me it was like a light bulb went on played second game both vanessa and i it went much smoother 
Really good game. If you're interested in trying this, for anybody that's listening, you need to get to the table. It's huge. It's gorgeous. It's heavy. Incredible components. And Tony, since it is a worker placement, you need to come play it. Okay. I'm going to have to argue with your definition of worker placement. If there's one worker, fine. Normally, you have multiple workers in a worker placement game. I guess one worker is enough. Okay, fine. I'll let you well, go. Otherwise, it would be workers placement. <sighs> we'll never. This will go on for years. As long as this show airs, we will argue over worker placement game. Hey, I don't know if you know this, Marty, but there's this hot game out and I finally got to play it. Really? Why don't you tell me about it? Oh, it's a pandemic legacy. I don't know if you've heard about it. A, a little bit. I think from our last episode, there's a couple guys on here talking about it. I know. Well, mine finally showed up and I was very excited uh, to finally get it to the table this weekend. And I was like, oh, f- This is so awesome. I am going to read these rules and read these rules and read these rules so I don't screw it up. And I read the rules. I'm like, I'm a pandemic master. I got this. And I'm like going through it and I'm like, okay, okay, this is pretty simple. Oh, crap. I screwed it up, dude. Are you serious? Man, yeah. Have you ever played a legacy game? I have not. All right. If Risk Legacy, and I posted this over in our guild, if Risk Legacy is like Pandemic Legacy, I want to play Risk Legacy even though I hate. Okay, hate's a Okay, hate applies here. I hate Risk. Yeah, I know you're not a big fan of Risk, and just because it's a a legacy game you're interested in, try it. Wow, this must have made a good impression on you. Oh, yeah, it was just incredible. For those of you who don't know, I mean, the game is changing. I'm reading the rule book, and there's little areas where you put the stickers and all that, and they're right. You put stickers everywhere, and I put... The way we set up our pandemic is we always do it by the viruses. And it wasn't I screwed up the rules too much, but we always set up our viruses such as that it goes, it's the yellow, then the blue, then the black, then the red on the board. Because, you know, that's how they are laid out on the, across the board. When the bottom where they have the viruses labels where you can put s- stickers about them, right. red is the second one. Well, red's in China. Why did you put red as the second one from the left? Red should be at the end. So I put the red vial where I thought it was. I didn't even look at the icons on the on the board. And so I had it, and we put this sticker on the stupid board because we did something to the red virus. And then my neighbor looks at it and goes, this is the black area. And I'm like, oh, I just ruined the board. I'm going to have to spend some more money. Because <laughs> that will bug me forever, dude. You know, I got it in the wrong area. So I got out my little knife, my little scraping knife, and I, yeah. <laughs> pulled up the sticker and I moved it over to the red area. No one can see that. And then in the legacy cards, that's what's so neat about this, these legacy cards. And I'm reading, it says, when you come to the legacy card, it says, stop, you don't go any further in the legacy deck. Okay. Okay. Well, I missed the thing it says, but if it says stop, you need to read the full card, not just read the big red stop sign because it tells you what to do. It says stop until this event occurs. Well, I didn't read that part. I messed up there too. So Donna was like, you can't get squat right, can you, boy? I'm like, no. It was sad. You had one job. One job. Mm. Mm, I know. It was so sad. Speaking of jobs, you had a job to teach me blood rage. How'd that go for you? Uh, You tell me. I won. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of a tag team match. Uh, We got blood rage. Got a couple guys over here to uh, play it. This is the other hot game a lot of people are talking about now from Cool Menu or Not. Finally got my Kickstarter version. And uh, you came over, and I taught everybody how to play. And you had to leave after the first age, so I took your place and played the next two ages. And, yes, we had a combined team effort, and we, we, we won the game. 
But yeah, so there's a little asterisk there, but I still won. I'm counting it. I would too. I, I would log it in BGG is that way. I, exactly. But my, uh, guys, I need to play it again. First impression though. But like Mario says, it's an area control game. Gorgeous miniatures, of course, cool mini or not. I like the leveling up in the game, Marty, uh, you know, leveling the stats, even though when you sat down, you looked at me and go, you haven't leveled squat up. I'm like, I'm building mm-hmm. and you still won. At first I wasn't getting it, but as the game went on, I uh, started to get the thing. And the thing that I loved most about that game, Marty, was the card drafting. I love that. I love card drafting. And that just, I've got area control and I've got card drafting two of my favorite mechanics. Hey, dude, it's so funny. When I first played this game, I thought of you because I know how much you like card drafting and Seven Wonders. And I thought this is going to be up Tony's alley once he gets down and just to get to play it. Oh, yeah. Oh, and just the, the various, you know, you've, the quest and, and the cosmic encounter-ish type of playing that. and The it, combat. The combat, yeah. you know. And it's not bad to lose because sometimes you get points for it. And oh man, it's just no dice combat and quick combat. Oh my gosh. Hey, I'm going here. I'm going to attack and you're going to defend. And here you go. Boom. Anybody else want to defend? Sure. Everybody can defend. Come on, bring it on in. It really, really flows and very fast. No wonder you love that game. Yeah, it's true. And again, two of the mechanics that I really enjoy, enjoy one is that your main resource that you use to do things is called rage. And once you get down, a zero rage you can't spend do anything else even free actions so you really have to think out your how your your plan of action of how you're going to do things because if even if you want to take a free action you got to make sure you have at least one rage left in order to be able to do it i enjoy that mechanic also love the fact that you say it's area control but after each age one of the provinces on the board gets destroyed making the map yeah. even smaller so it forces you to have to fight for territory even more as the game goes on yeah, for, forcing the combat, and, and that's and people think, well, oh, I don't know if I'll. That's actually a very good thing. It's not like you're losing things that get blown up, everything, because they they come back from Valhalla. It's all comes back to you. It's all good. And yeah, I do. And the rage was a really neat mechanic because you really need to think through that. And I screwed it up when I was playing. I met I miscalculated on one thing, but that's all right. No big deal. I've, hey, I still won. That's correct, and that's all. And that's all that matters. So we'll get you back in sometime, and we'll play a full game of it, and we'll come. Back for a full review but our main topic of discussion tonight is we are so excited to have a couple young designers come on the show Um, that is going to be adam and brady sadler who tony when you look up what they've done on bgg their names are on a lot of big games i know and it looks like they started when they were in kindergarten, Marty. I don't know. I don't get this. <laughs> we'll have to ask about that because there's an awfully young looking picture out there of them, especially like on the Kickstarter for folklore. Oh, yeah. They're definitely on that. So uh, I know they're probably sitting over in the green room. But before we go over there, let's hear what Portal has in store for us at BGGCon. So Marty, I was in Lowe's Home Improvement the other day, and I could not believe what's just right around the corner. You know what's coming? A McDonald's? No, man. They already had the Christmas decorations up, which means BGG's on its way. You equate Christmas decorations to BGG gun. It's not even, it wasn't even Halloween, but I knew that that meant that we, you and I are going to be down in Dallas. We get to see our buddy Ignacy at Portal Games, who's got this big 
Nirishima Hex Challenge coming for us. All his great games that he had at Essence. Hopefully, he's going to be bringing them across the pond to everyone who's going to be there. If you haven't checked it out, I mean, my heavens, I cannot wait for Convoy. Oh my gosh. And did you, I don't know if you saw his latest vlog video. So uh, Portal Games is like one of the main sponsors and he's giving away around a thousand copies of Convoy to the attendees at BGGCon. You mean I don't have to go crawling up to him on my knees with cookies in hand to get my copy? Well, well, I mean, you can can always crawl up to him with cookies in hand, 20 bucks, and he'll give you a copy. Okay. Either way, I'm going to definitely get that copy, but can't can't wait for BGGCon. Can't wait to see Ignacy and everything. He's all in Stronghold 2nd Edition. The list could go on and on, and we just, we're, we're holding up our guests. Our guests tonight are two brothers that as game designers have their names on many games, including Descent 2nd Edition, Star Wars X-Wing, Tannhauser, Folklore the Affliction, and the brand new game coming out from Fantasy Flight Games, Warhammer Quest the Adventure Card Game. Welcome to the show, Adam and Brady Sadler. Thank you, Thank Marty. you. Before we get started, Brady, I must say I went and read your BGG little bio, and it says there that you are an 80s heavy metal historian. <laughs> <laughs> Because of that, we've actually named this show Master of Puppets in honor of that. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so what is an 80s heavy metal historian? Uh, it's kind of an inside joke thing, because just because since I've been in music, I've always been into stuff way before my time. Um, I'm, I'm a little... I wouldn't say way before your time. Yeah, not way before, but I was I was a little I was a little toddler when Metallica was big, but I played in a lot of Metallica cover bands. So Master of Puppets was actually the first song I learned how to play on drums. So <laughs> Tony, did you did a great job naming the episode? Man. <laughs> yeah, good job. Well, I mean, it, it's what the number one ranked um, heavy metal band from the, or heavy metal song from the eighties. Yeah. Of course, he's going to know this, <laughs> right? <laughs> It's the number one heavy metal song from the 80s, really? Well, according to VH1's Countdown of the 80s, heavy metal bands it is. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you mean Master of Puppets or Metallica? Both. Oh, wow. I did not know that. It was, it was platinum. I remember that, yeah. So do you consider Master of Puppets their best work? Uh, that album was actually probably top of the heap for me when it comes to Metallica, but... I'm a big fan of most of their older stuff. It was a good one, yeah. So I got a question. So when we look at, you know, Marty um, was looking at the bios, and of course I did too, not that we're stalkers or anything here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names, but <laughs> Brady, update that image. I mean, you look like a kid. Uh, yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> well, I have no, I have no like professional images of myself. That's like the only one I had on hand. So yeah, I do need to get a photographer. <laughs> I, I think both of those were from when we were like, what, 22 or three years? <laughs> yeah, we, like were, we were early. <laughs> Brady, if you, if you get a photographer take adam with you because once again i mean this is like this is like the the rodney shots marty have you looked at those shots like hey uh, yes I did. it was I, I looked at your shots on your uh folklore kickstarter page it's like how young are these guys and i was looking at your bio it's like they can't be that young and they, they are still young don't get compared to us you're young but these guys have like nice beards and everything now so what you see on the kickstarter page is not what they look like now yeah. as we're looking yeah. at we're all we definitely need advertisement <laughs> Okay. I also don't like that picture because it makes me look kind of arrogant too, and I don't like that. <laughs> it's like a smug look on my face. <laughs> but uh, that brings brings up my first question before we get into the incredible games y'all have done. How long have y'all been designing games? I mean, the pictures are young. What'd you start? Twelve? <laughs> no, we, yeah, well, Adam had the first step in it because we we messed around with it a while. But um, I actually started working at FFG in the marketing department back in 2010, and I was like 
26 maybe i forgot i forget some, some late 20s but um adam followed soon after and he got a job in the development department that's when he got his hands in descent and everything and then at, shortly after i moved over to work with him in the design department so i don't know we've been designing a few years now not not too long yeah well, i think i started my first game was uh avatar the movie oh, the yeah. board game yeah <laughs> I, when I was working at mega brands um i designed that with uh, tom mason who interestingly enough he's uh he's the sculpting um director at Megacon Games, the guys who did Myth. Um, so I've known Tom a long time, and him and I designed uh, Avatar, the movie, the board game, and that was my first design experience. <clears throat> and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's it was uh, one of those games where you don't, like, you know, they want to design it for eight-year-olds, and the people there, they, they didn't even really... They couldn't figure out how to play it anyway. We just like we can't make it any simpler. <laughs> but well, no, I, I said I was sorry because like Avatar the movie is considered like one of the worst oh, okay. movies of all time. It was funny. We pitched it as something else, and it got, ended up like just slapping the. It was a design for like I don't know, like Halo or something, and they just slapped on the Avatar label <laughs> IP at the end. So, but yeah, after designing that game, um, I got hired up at FFG, and I was a producer for a while. Um, but I was a big fan of Descent. And that Descent Second Edition was in the pipeline, and I kind of made it known that I wanted to be the producer on that game. And they were having some trouble finding the designer because so many people are busy. And they, I kind of just adopted the role of designing that game, took on the lead of it, and um, it's kind of done wonders for my career in game design. So everybody knows Descent. <laughs> well, yeah, my gosh, I've seen there. I mean, I, I, not necessarily luck, because obviously you had the skill, but to be in the right place in the right time to be able to get on a big game like that, that oh, yeah. that's a big boost to your career. There's a lot of designers out there going, why can't that happen to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was definitely the right place at the right time. Um, I, I, I worked on... Um, uh, an expansion for Twilight Imperium, the Shards of the Throne, I think it was called. And Christian really liked what I did with it. And I think that kind of like um, got me in his good graces. And, you know, he's like, okay, yeah, let's have a stab at, at Descent. And um, he was pleased with that as well. And so it, everything went up from there. <laughs> so did your expansion add, what, another two, four hours to the game? Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I spent many late nights playtesting that game with some playtesters and that was like when I first started FFG so I was trying to you know make a good make a, make a good impression and I was staying up like till midnight every night playtesting after work <laughs> yeah most wow. most playtests you can get one pizza in but with those playtests you usually got at least two in <laughs> <laughs> you're, no, you're no longer with FFG correct correct I, I left back in Brady left uh, in 2011 right 2012 after Riley was born yeah oh, okay and then I left in 2013 um, to move back to Indianapolis um, area where my family is and stuff after my daughter was born. And then we, we stayed in contact with FFG, and that's actually how Warhammer happened. You know, I, I was in contact with Christian, and I, I've i always been a big fan of Warhammer Quest. And, you know, I kind of made it known that we would be more than happy to work on something in that line if they ever did it. And so he reached out to us later, and it happened. And it's pretty nice working with him again, even though we're doing freelance. Well, I mean, that's that's a, a great movement right into the game that uh, we want to talk about, which is Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game. Now, <laughs> before we get into it, were y'all at Gen Con for the FFG in-flight report? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the audible gasp when he said, and coming out, Warhammer Quest. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> the adventure card game. Aww. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's not the real <laughs> thing. <laughs> well, 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 you've lost me, Marty. I mean, we've played the um, 
MMO, what, what were they thinking? You've lost me there, thus. Miniature? Oh, dude. And you call yourself a board game podcast. <laughs> Quest, the classic board game. Oh, oh. Everybody. Oh. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know what it is. <laughs> but it's one of those everybody has really wanted somebody to reprint. Mm. And so when they said it in the room, everybody's like, <gasps> and it's like the card game. And everybody's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of cool, neat. It's got the logo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, okay, I remember. Is, is that the one? Oh, I can't. I'm going to embarrass myself again here, but that's what I'm known for here. Um, is that the one where Steve, our good buddy Steve, sets up this game and he's been on like yes. on a quest? Yes, he's been on a quest. That's what I thought. Okay, <laughs> well, I know it's what you're game. talking about. Yep, you do. You, that's why I, I knew you did because you you knew about that. There's a lot of quests out there. So, <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of Warhammer uh, Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game, and how you got into it, and where you what you know how you developed it? Well, one of the main things is um, during the like when I moved over from marketing at FFG, I, I moved over to product development. While Adam was doing a lot of the bulk of the work on the Descent Second Edition design, I was doing a lot of expansion work. So. Um, one of the expansion things I did was uh, the Death Angel card game, and I was a fan of that game because I liked I like solo games. I can play you know short periods of time when I have downtime. But um, I'm playing that game. I was like, man, they need to do a Warhammer Quest version of this because if they can't do the actual reprint, they got to do something you know to tease people and get this this IP back strong again. And we had a few different ideas, but they you know there's so much on the plate at the time, and they just there was no room to do anything new and. And it's hard to get new ideas when there's already a big buildup of all, you know ideas and development. So we kind of sat on it and just kind of played with the idea. But then, um, like Adam said, after we were away from the company for a little bit, we started getting back in contact with some people and seeing if we could get on a project. And that was one we always pushed. Like, you know, Warhammer Quest, is, the app just come out, came out, right, Adam? That was a, a big catalyst for it because the, the iOS app came out. And we were like, man, now's the time to do something Warhammer Quest related. Come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, going going even before that, before this talk of that came along, like Warhammer Quest was like, I think this is true with a lot of people who like Dungeon Crawls. It was a, it was a big game for me. Like, um, we played Hero Quest when we were kids, and naturally later that progressed into other games. And and Warhammer Quest came around. Unfortunately, I got into it after it was already out of print, and so I was always you know fi- trying to find the game on eBay. And I luckily found a copy one time that was sealed on eBay for you know a few hundred bucks, which was pretty reasonable at the time. So. I was pretty thrilled about that, but um, I got a hold of that and I I loved it. Like it was a, it was a great experience for me, and obviously my love for dungeon crawls was what got me into Descent and got me at FFG and everything like that. So it's kind of defined my gaming um, past, you know that kind of game. So it was always it's always something that's near near and dear to my heart. So any anything to, I could do to like you know kind of resurrect that was something that I've always been trying to do. And you can even talk to some of the guys from GW when. Um, we had to go visit GW, you know, off and on when we were at FFG. I went to England and I got to go to the GW headquarters, which was awesome. It was a great experience. But the first thing I was asking them was like, "Why don't you guys ever do anything with game with uh, Warhammer Quest? <laughs> like, I want to see something with Warhammer Quest again." Uh, but never really had an answer from that, so um, kind of had to figure out other ways to do it. <laughs> so, how much have you read into the folklore of Warhammer? Have you are you a 40k kind of guy, or are you back in the fantasy side? I know which which is your favorite. Oh, fantasy, yeah, that's what we started with. That was kind of our first, after we got into HeroQuest back in the day, we started going to the game stores looking for things like that, and that kind of led us to Warhammer. We liked, you know, the little miniatures, and fantasy was always our thing. So we kind of got into fantasy really early in our gaming career, and that was kind of our introduction to gaming. 
Um, so yeah, we're pretty big on Warhammer. We we're pretty familiar with the lore and everything. And this will come up later in the show. Um, is there a favorite hero in the Warhammer world? Will we see these in the cards? Me, my personal favorite of all the Warhammer characters is uh, are the warrior priests in the Empire. And I made sure that that was one of the characters in the in the Warhammer Quest Adventure card game base game. I know Brady's always been more partial to like wood elves and stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, the wood elf way watchers in there, but if I have my way, there's going to be a halfling thief at some point because I got to get my halfling thief in there. <laughs> that seemed to be a favorite too back in the day. <laughs> Everybody loved the halfling thief. Yeah, one of those cult favorites. Well, I got to ask, did you ever play the um, MMORPG of Warhammer Age of Reckoning? Mm-hmm. Definitely, oh, yeah. yeah. I played the Witch Hunter a lot in that. I thought that was a really cool game. But why did it fail? Squirrel! I don't really know. Just, uh, I guess the oversaturation of MMOs, just there's a lot of them at the time. Yeah, I think it's true with all MMOs. It just, if the player base, you know, fades, then they can't do much. And that game, especially, was reliant upon lots of players because they had these, these realm versus realm battles and everything. And I remember going back to it years later, and they, they used to have like 20 servers, and it was down to like two servers, and there was like barely any people on it. <laughs> so it was really hard to keep that kind of game going. What a great game, though. Yeah, I was a dark elf that could do some healing and stuff like that. I just I enjoyed it. I forget what it was. What the, I was a witch. I played a witch hunter. Yeah. The witch hunter. Oh yeah, you had that funky hat. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. That 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 was that was the time when uh, Tony and I were like playing every MMO that came out. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best features of that game was you could dye your armor anything you wanted. So like I had this bright green witch hunter. Like his hat was dyed bright green and a bright green coat. I looked so silly, but it was it's great. So customizable. <laughs> I thought the public quests were a great. Great feature, design feature in that game. They were really changed the way the MMOs played. Yeah, it's it's true. And now Tony and I are, are big into Guild Wars too. Boy, this is a tangent, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> are big into Guild Wars too. But the the public, um, what were they called? The public, the public quest, the the, the, the public uh, quest, yeah. and and Warhammer uh, are they have the same sort of deal in Guild Wars too. Uh, they're called events or dynamic events, but it's the same sort of deal. You could be running along and join a whole bunch of people and do this sort of quest thing. Yeah. And Guild Wars 2 kind of perfected it even more so. And yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect because you could play solo. And if you wanted to, go over here and join in here and do this thing real quick. And I think the worst thing about Guild Wars 2, though, is like you couldn't ever log out because there's always something to do. <laughs> you just run around. There's always things going on. There's always like bosses to fight and everything. <laughs> and the expansion just came out and I've been playing it this weekend. Oh, so. cool. Yeah, cool. I, w- I wish I could get to it. But Adam, you almost had blasphemy and you were almost disconnected if you had said the bad thing about Guild Wars 2. There is never a oh. bad thing about <laughs> <laughs> it was a backhanded compliment. <laughs> so uh, back to uh, Warhammer Quest. So when the, it was the goal of the card game was to make it feel like the board game Warhammer Quest? Um, yes, in, in ways. Um, because obviously Warhammer Quest is all about like, you know, between adventures like that's the, the big appeal is you do these dungeons but then you go on traveling to town and do things in town and funny things happen like, oh, you married the farmer's daughter you have to retire. Things like that. <laughs> um, which we had some cool ideas for how to kind of mimic things like that in the original design for the card game, but obviously you have to kind of keep it, the design trim and compact for a small box game like that. So you, you kind of had to figure out what was the most important part of the game to, to represent, to you know, recreate. And um, I think Brady was going to say something. No, yeah, I mean, that's kind of exactly what I was going to go along with because we, we wanted to do a lot of stuff to capture the spirit of the game, but you kind of have to focus on a certain experience. So I think what, what we wanted to focus on to, with, with given limitations, um, with components and everything, was just focus on the really brutal combat, the, um, the claustrophobic feel where there's always 
there's always trouble and and it's like the the nonstop swarm of enemies and everything just constantly getting surrounded so i kind of wanted to bring that and and make it feel as tense in a card game format as, as when you have tons of miniatures piling up and the uh the progression was another important aspect so we added a, a campaign element where it's it's a shorter campaign like five quests um but you still get that experience of getting your your iconic gear and your your new abilities and um it's kind of like a it's a very elegant nod to the spirit of the of the actual old game. Well, let's take a uh, half a step back and let me and for those who don't know anything about the game, it's not out yet and maybe they hadn't had didn't get a chance to go to Gen Con and demo it. Why don't you just give us like a 30,000 foot, you know, view level of the game and what it is and how it works. Sure. The uh, the ba- the base of the game is you are um, it's for two to four players. I mean, you can play solo obviously, but it's two to four heroes and um, you play through a campaign of five quests and each quest is a number of locations you're you're trying to progress through and at every location there's a number of enemies that spawn and then you have to fight through and enemies that are spawning on you they, they they activate on their enemy turn but also whatever you do whatever the players are doing on their turn the enemies react to so if you're trying to explore and you have enemies in your engagement zone they can still attack you during your turn so it kind of represents in the old warm request the, the pinning tests you know the, the rooms are so small and there's not a lot of places to maneuver so um you got pinned by enemies and you had to like try to do a test to move away from them. So like you couldn't really move that easily. So try to replicate that. We had these engagement zone enemies. They would always react to everything that you're doing. So they're always a nuisance. And then plus they will activate the enemy turn at all. So the enemies are a constant threat, which is something that I haven't really seen in, in card games that I've played. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, you're trying to progress these locations. And usually the, the, goal of a quest is to be some nemesis like some boss and after every quest you complete you can you know upgrade your characters in town you can try to get more gear um things like that and after you beat the fifth quest or if you you know at the end of the fifth quest if you win or lose that's the end of the campaign so that's kind of like a i don't know got anything else to add to that to kind of describe the experience that was a long elevator pitch right but the yeah, uh it was a long ride <laughs> no but one other thing to add another important thing to add is uh there's in addition to the campaign which is the the you know the core experience of the game is that campaign um the five quest campaign but there's also a delve um so you can actually play this one-off like survival see how far you can get play session and and you can like level up in different ways in that session so you still kind of experience the progression but it's less it's less about the the overarching story and more just about a bunch of a wave of guys and how long you can survive survive against them so so you can play either way you like speaking of which i, I want to give a, a shout out to justin kimpanen at ffg and the, his design team that kind of uh developed that idea because it was something added in later after we already handed the game off and i loved it i thought it was awesome it added like a new way to play the game, even if you already played the campaign. The Delve quest is kind of just a random big dungeon that you can progress your character through that one quest. So it's kind of like, you can either play a campaign or you can just play this hodgepodge dungeon where you can throw all your stuff in there and try to make it through. That's cool. Okay, so you you stated all this, looking at it, and it brings a lot of questions to my mind, especially along this progressing your character. So if Marty and I are progressing along, but then someone else wants to come and play, what happens? Well, the nice thing, the thing that I have, my philosophy over campaign games these days, maybe it's because I've gotten older and my playtime is less, but I, I've, I like am attracted to these shorter campaigns so you can finish more campaigns because I start so many campaigns with my gaming groups and we never finish them because they're just too long. So I like to actually play a campaign and then finish it. And so Descent 2nd Edition might kind of saw that a little bit. It was a little shorter campaign than the old 
Road to Legend, and some people didn't like that, but I kind of wanted to get more campaigns that you could finish. And so that's what this one's about. And we don't really have rules in there for catching players up, but it's pretty easy to house rule. Like, you can see what upgrades the other characters have, and so you can easily, like, okay, we'll let you draw an extra skill. You know, you can get some a random piece of gear, and then you're on the same page as us. So it's not too hard to implement. Yeah, and one thing to note too is is the actual campaign. It potentially could be played in one setting. So if you have if you, if you and Marty are playing a campaign and you get to quest three and want to stop, I'm like, oh, we'll finish this later. Then you have another person come to the table. They can just see you know how you progress and they can make the decisions you made because they'll assume to have been in those quests with you and they can just catch up that way. And and look, luckily leveling up is a matter of either taking a gear card or taking an upgraded action card. So it's it's um, they're cool decisions, but it's not a lot of tracking. You know, it's pretty easy to catch. That up. Now, speaking of action cards, uh, each character, I'm trying to remember from my demo and reading what I did on Elm, FFG, each character has four actions, right? Things like aid, fight. Yeah, there are four standard actions in the game. Um, there's fight, explore, rest, and aid. And each character has their own version of that card. So, for example, the Way Watchers got a really good Explore card, um, and the the Warrior Priest has a good Rest card. Um, so they have different ways of doing those actions, and they customize them and have special abilities that trigger. But then each of those action cards have an upgraded version for each character. So essentially, each character's got a deck of eight action cards, four basics, four advance. And as they play through the campaign, they choose which ones they want to advance to between quests. So um, it's not, it's it's a little more unlikely that you'll advance all of your actions. You got to decide which ones are more important to your party, which ones are going to, you know, pull more weight. And um, that goes in hand also with your, each character has their own set of iconic gear cards. I think it's three, right, Adam? Each one has three. Yeah, they're called, they're called legendary gear. Legendary gear, legendary gear cards. And so it's also, it might not be likely you'll get all those. So you might just find a couple of them, but they kind of help define your character and give them their iconic equipment as they're, as they're progressing. So that makes me wonder, how is this, compared to Pathfinder, but other than it's a better game because it's Warhammer. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Pa- Pathfinder is uh, is much different as in, first of all, it's, you, have, you have a deck of cards. Um, you don't just have these four action cards. You have a deck of cards that represent your items, your spells, your you know abilities, things like that. And that's also your health. And so you're kind of going through these locations, hunting down the bad guy and playing your cards. It's kind of like a risk-reward thing where you want to try to play as many cards to, to complete a test but not, not drain your hand because then you'll have no health. Um, it plays very differently um, because Warhammer Quest is it's more like a... Um, it's like it's more like, it's got that dungeon crawl feel because you see you see the enemies out with you. You're grouped up together. You can see enemies engage with your friends and you can pull them to you. You're all in the same location. You're not spread out um, hunting down a villain, you know, in different locations, which is what Pathfinder is kind of, you're kind of, uh, incent- you're incentivized to go spread, split up and cover as much ground as possible. In Warhammer Quest, you're a little, you're a party of ventures going from little room to room fighting tons of enemies, you know. It's more personal. It's it's more in your face because, like, you know, the Pathfinder is a zoomed-out approach, um, and they, they abstract certain things, of course, but in Warhammer Quest, it's more just, it's kind of focused on the, the small encounters. Like, here's a little skirmish going on. Get through this room. Just ride the next skirmish. So it's kind of a series of brutal rooms to explore. <laughs> I, I guess a good way of looking at it also is um, if you're coming from, like, a role-playing game background or not, you know, like, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game is, like, a whole chapter of a of a campaign and then Warhammer Quest is more like this is just this 
you know, one dungeon you're in and that, you know, not, not this big sprawling chapter. So, and also this game, Warhammer Quest, there's no draw deck for the players, right? right. In Pathfinder Adventure card game, there is a draw deck. So it's not like you're having to draw cards and try to get what you want. You have those actions in front of you and that's what you have to work with the entire game. Yeah. And one, one cool part, um, note on that is you have the four action cards in front of you laid out. So they're just your choices of what you want to do. But three of those four actions will be exhausted when you use them. So you, you kind of limit your options as you use from turn to turn because your card might be exhausted. But you have every character has one action that has a prepare icon on, or sorry, not a prepare icon, um, whatever they end up calling that. What was the name of that icon? The arrows. I I don't remember. Uh, I thought there, it was there prepare, was, but yeah. But um, when you use that action with that arrow on it, it readies everything else. It readies all of your actions. So for example, I think the Way Watcher he has that on his or she has that on her attack card. So she can attack every turn if she wants, and it refreshes all of her cards. But you know. You can't just there in tactical time. You got to explore. You got to you got to help your allies. So it's kind of balancing those those choices. I also think one of the um, other elements of the game that really encourages teamwork is the aid action because the aid action actually lets you have an ally that you target refresh one of their action cards. So if you have you know the dwarf that he has a really good attack, like he has a really good weapon, he does a lot of damage, and he he used his attack. And as the Waywatcher, you, you can't do much this turn, so you're like, you know what, I'm going to aid him so he can get his attack back and use it again right away. So it's a lot of cooperation, which is pretty cool. And aid also potentially puts success tokens on another player's action cards, which that player can discard. Like when you do an action, you can discard success tokens from your action card for automatic successes. So like if, if I'm helping, if Adam's playing a warrior priest and I aid him and I put success tokens on his attack, next time he attacks, he can discard those to make sure he actually hits something, you know, because he whiffs a lot. You answered my question about Pathfinder. Now are you ready for my next one on another game that Fantasy Flight does? Because you kind of made me have to, oh, you laugh. Which, which one am I going to ask there? I'm not I, sure. I, I, just, <laughs> I think I know. I I'm, I'm just getting ready for anything. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's hear what, so what, Brady, what question I'm am I going to ask? I'm expecting that it's going to go toward Death Angel, Space Hulk. Is that it? Oh, good gosh. No, man. Okay. That doesn't mean thrill me at all. Okay. Okay. No. I get that one a lot. So. Actually, when you talked about the encounters of the enemies, uh, we're big, big LOTR fans. That was my, uh, that was my next guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, actually, and uh, I thought Andrew. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't want to. Sorry. Go ahead. No, if you know the question, go for it, dude. Well, no, I was going to say... Oh, my gosh, the listeners don't know the question. Would you tell them what the question is? <laughs> yeah. I did. The, 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 the engagement of the, the monsters. What is the slight... I, pick, I think I picked up on the slight difference, but I want to go back and revisit that. How does it differ from you know the, the threat and from the Lord of the Rings type versus you said that the monsters are coming right at you? Yes. In, in Lord of the Rings, when the monsters are in your engagement area, they will attack during the... During the what is it? The engagement step? Yeah, well... oh. Uh, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I'll say this because I, I play that game religiously with my wife. Like we, it's my, it's our game, and I've always been. I was at the company when they were developing that game, and I was so excited about it because I'm a, obviously a huge cooperative gamer. So there was some direct influence on that. But the difference is being is in Warhammer Quest. So you have a limit of three enemies can engage you at a single time. And uh, there's not a pre-programmed step where they'll attack you. They have like these keywords they'll use. Like if, if, you're, if you have a spider engaged to you, they might web you and then run away. So they have these tactics they use. But because they're engaged to you, if, when I do an action, if I roll a skull, then the enemy with the highest attack value is attacking me. So they react to what you're doing. So the threat there is less about them doing direct damage to you right away. It's more just about how they're going to mess up your actions when you're trying. They, they just kind of throw a little chaotic twist into your action decisions. Well... I guess it should be noted that when you do an action, you have you roll a number of action dice listed on the card, 
and you also contribute enemy dice for each ready enemy in your engagement area. So the more enemies you have, the more enemy dice you're rolling, the more likely you're going to get attacked. And every enemy has an attack value, and if you trigger an attack, then you suffer that damage. So Tony mentioned about a comparison between engaging monsters. I actually had a Lord of the Rings question, too, because you talked about the quest. You're actually putting tokens on the quest to progress through it, which also kind of has a Lord of the Rings LCG feel mm-hmm. to it. Did was that did that inspiration come from that game for how you progress through quests? Yeah, a little bit, because I, I really liked um, the location system in Lord of the Rings. Um, I have a lot of decks I build just killing locations because my, my favorite parts of the game but but with uh, warhammer quest the uh the quest itself is a sheet so it'll have whatever goals you need to achieve and there's a timer that triggers events so the quest the tokens you're putting on are the location so you're trying to clear out the location card so when you do an explore action you're going to place a number of tokens equal to how many success, successes you roll on your action dice and, and put those on the location card and once you have enough tokens on the location card you can progress to the next location so there's there's a little element there that's it's somewhat similar to how lord of the rings handles locations but um it's it's more just about um balancing out the ex- exploring with clearing out some enemies before you know you get overwhelmed so lord of the rings marty and i love playing that game so we're right there with you man and if another follow-up question to that is how can someone get their wife to play that game with me? I'm really listening to this because I need to play it more. Yeah, well, interestingly enough, that's that's one. The my wife and I we started dating because of Lord of the Rings, so that's kind of a that's a helping hand. I mean, she's a, she's a gamer; she likes to play games. But Lord of the Rings is kind of really close to her heart. Um, even before she met me, she loved the movies. But um, we we ended up watching. I think it was the Two Towers um, on our first date together. So she's uh, she was a keeper from the from the start. <laughs> so there's five. You said there's five quests in the campaign, and then once you do that, you can do the delving in into the dungeon. So, in in good fantasy fight flight fashion, I assume that there will be expansions and additional campaigns with additional characters to come out later on. I, all I can say, I mean, I I really hope so, but all I can say is we definitely designed it with that in mind. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we we can't speak to their plans, of course, but um, but when we designed the game, our our goal was to design a system that would be very easy to implement. Um, new con like the, the way we envisioned it was each you know an expansion would include a, a new a new campaign because as you might have seen in the demo the campaign is essentially five sheets five quest sheets and then the necessary cards and enemies so so the component wise it's built very well to support a expansion system and i don't know i've heard fantasy flight likes to do expansions but you know <laughs> I, I think it always goes back to if the game if a game does well it's gonna it's gonna get expanded so like i just hope everybody goes and buys buys the game and then we, we can have, we can see expansion <laughs> Yeah. Well, with the base game, how many hours would it take you to get through the campaign? Um, I think that it was, I mean, honestly, the I, I would say that for new players, you know, you could kind of set aside two hours for a quest just because maybe you're learning the game, and the, obviously, the more players you have, the longer it's going to take. So if you have four players, let's say you can get done in a quest in two hours, you know, I for guarantee that probably, um, and then you know, so ten hours is a good estimate for for one campaign that's actually somebody might say what only 10 hours and it's like well you know what that's that's five game plays to get through the campaign there's no reason why you can't roll another character and try to build a different character play differently and you have like you said the the delving uh concept where you have like these custom dungeons being made out so uh there's more game in the box when you might just think if somebody says, oh, there's only five quests. Well, no, there's actually more replayability there than what you might think. Yes, and I should also mention that the the um, 
there's a deck of dungeon cards, which is like things you find when you're exploring through the through the locations. And there's a deck of gear cards and a deck of enemy cards for the quest. And there's only certain cards, like certain enemies that are defined by a quest. The rest are random. And then the same with the dungeon cards and the um, the gear cards. They're random. So even if you play this the, the whole campaign, you play it again, it'll be different. I mean, the enemies could pop up differently. You know, you get some different gear. Like, it, it changes, which is good. I mean, there's there's a good number of dungeon and gear cards in the game, and you only use a certain amount per quest. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with the decisions they made because we didn't see that till the final product when they finished developing it, but they added some cool little random elements to add a little replayability there. Well, the other thing that um, I'm, I'm not sure if, you know, Justin at FFG was the one who, you know, implemented this, but he, he told me about it, and I loved it, was the, the quest cards becoming quest sheets. So, like, all the information was on a sheet. And that freed up a lot of cards that we had in the prototype that were like quest cards. So those could be made into more content, which is awesome. So the quest is just one sheet. All right. So, Marty, this goes back to the past two shows. We've had guests on that can neither confirm nor deny something for us. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was listening to your uh, your Matt Leacock and um, Rob Davio because we were, we were killing Pandemic Legacy for like two days straight. We played the entire oh, yeah. Game. The entire season, I was like, "Hey, they're having them on the show. Cool." <laughs> if, if those guys, if those guys are listening, man, great job with that. <laughs> yeah, we were we were in love with that thing. Oh, it, it is, and I've already screwed it up, but that's okay. I've removed <laughs> a sticker and put it in the right <laughs> spot, but that's okay. Two quick questions about the game that I, I know that it's kind of I saw it in the videos and doing the research behind it, but it dice. Talk to me about the dice. So the dice are probably my favorite thing because that was probably my my earliest. Uh, development when we started designing was the dice um so you have hero dice and enemy dice um uh the hero dice have successes and shields and super successes uh criticals basically um and the criticals are you know they count as success and they explode so you can roll again which is always fun in games to just get tons of explosions the dice you roll for actions are on the card they'll tell you how many dice you roll which is how likely you are to succeed at that task and the enemy dice, um, as I mentioned earlier, the, every ready enemy in your engagement zone will add enemy dice to your pool. So when you do, an, let's say I'm doing an attack action and I roll two hero dice and I have one enemy dice and I, I roll them. Let's say I get two successes, a shield, and a skull. So the two successes means I have done two damage. I dealt two damage to my target. The enemy skull means he is attacking me and let's say the enemy has an attack value of two. I rolled one shield so I can block one of his damage but I'm taking one damage. So that was all from one dice roll that's that's how that's interpreted um and it plays really smooth um lots of stuff's going on lots of damage being dealt back and forth um it's it's a pretty brutal game which is why heroes can rest have a rest action and heal themselves because you would take a lot of damage in the game and what happens when you die since it's a campaign game you when you get defeated your your character is out of the quest you can start over if you all if you're all are eliminated, then you then you have to move on to the next. You do, the quest is over usually. Usually, if all in heroes are defeated, that's the, a lost condition for the quest, and you move on to the next quest. With yeah, there are there are rewards and penalties on quests. So if you fail the quest, if you're all defeated, then there are bad things that make the campaign harder. Okay, so this is like hardcore mode, Marty. Yeah, an example of this is like if you're playing a quest and and there's a nemesis in that quest. Let's say he's, a, he's some boss orc, and you fail that quest. One of the fail conditions might be that boss orc goes in all future enemy decks, so he comes back and haunts you every quest because he didn't beat him. So he's he's like, ah, suckers. <laughs> that's that's cool though. Yeah, that's another that's another way the campaign changes up. You know, depending on how well you do on all the quests. And my final question for you is: Are there any Skaven in the in the deck? Oh yes. yes. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I'm done. It's a, it's an automatic buy. 
that's the thing we were developing this game early on and we were like you know trying to figure out who's who's the enemy type we should have for focus on this campaign because we we just think in theme you know like there's got to be a, a theme and uh you know so we were like thinking, okay maybe orcs and goblins is pretty popular um but we were kind of bummed out because like we had all these ideas well maybe we can do them in expansions but we have all these enemies to work with because warhammer is so full of cool monsters and uh another thing working with the guys at ffg they're like you know what let's just do a campaign that can kind of make sense for all kinds of monsters to appear so we either you know there's skaven there's orcs and goblins there's undead there's a little bit of everything which is cool this isn't the only game that uh, you guys are working on and promoting right now you also have a very successful kickstarter campaign that's As of this recording, only has like one day left, and by the time it comes out, this will be over. But won't you tell us a little bit about folklore, the affliction? Sure. Um, This was something that kind of we kind of fell into. Um, I think it was not. It was last year's Gen Con. We were kind of looking around. Um, We had some meetings with FFG talking about you know Warhammer quests and plans and everything, and then we were just you know let's go look around and some stuff. And I don't usually have I don't usually stop and play a lot of games at Gen Con. I kind of watch, walk around, and see what's new. But uh, I saw this game, Folklore, and um, I was like, this looks kind of cool, because it looks kind of like an RPG, sort of, and it's a cool setting, and I want to check it out. And so we sat down, uh, me, Brady, and our friend Dustin, and we uh, we sat down and played it, and it was, it was really cool. And the guys there were really nice, and they were very, very excited about it, they were very passionate about it, they just answered, they were just one to answer all of our questions and kind of, you know, just put, put, you know, push their game. They, we kind of stayed in contact with them for a while. They, I think that, yeah, they, they started their Kickstarter that year, and they kind of, it wasn't going the way they wanted it to, so like, you know what, let's let's cancel this and restructure it, and we'll we'll do it, try it again later. And um, so we, we saw them again at Gen Con this year, and things changed a lot, and like, for the better, is like, everything looked really cool. And uh, Brady, you had a, you were, had a little meeting with Nino, right, like, at Gen Con? Yeah, from what I gathered with him, like, the reason they had to kind of restructure their campaign is, is it's a two-man operation twin fire was will and nino and they uh they had a lot of development done but they they weren't prepared enough on the business end and that's why they partnered up with greenbrier who've had a lot of experience with like apocalypse and the other games they've done successfully on kickstarter so when they partnered up with them they had a a huge foundation to just work on the development while Greenbrier helped with the business end of things and all the infrastructure was already in place. So, um, so they were prepared just to start getting content going. And, and when I met with Nino, he was just really ready to hit the ground running with, with uh, development and content. So since then we've been just meeting with them on um, hangouts like this and on Skype and just kind of designing over there and helping develop content for what they already had. And Adam and I are working on a storybook that was unlocked on the stretch goal. So it's, it's been pretty fun and it's a really, really cool system. They have a, a pretty cool game on their hands yeah they were interested in having us on board um because they liked our like my work with descent and everything and i kind of said yeah I'll, i'm here to help out with anything because i think the game's really cool it's kind of like something i've always wanted i like i like role-playing games but i don't really have a lot of time to play them anymore or have anybody that wants to prepare them <laughs> and run them and this game literally is it feels like you're playing a role-playing game um but the story is there for you and you don't have to prepare anything you just you just play a board game with uh, an ai Dungeon Master, basically. Yeah, and it's been a very successful uh, campaign. Uh, the goal was $55,000, and as of now, it's 378000 So I think you mentioned that. <laughs> so yeah. Congrats. I see that it's probably at least a year away from, from coming out, but it it looks great. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, we're pretty, pretty psyched about it. Do you know what your print run's going to be? I know that at $100 a shot on this game, with the miniatures and everything that's, you know, we can just say that's 3000 buyers. Do you know what they're going to do for a print run or it, you can either confirm or not. <laughs> I'm not, we're not too sure about that. Cause this one we've kind of, not only are we working through twin fire who um, Nino and will um, 
they're the designers of the game and they have Twin Fire Productions. They're that's their company, but they're working through Greenbrier, and so we actually only really work with uh, Twin Fire. We don't really talk to Greenbrier too much because that's what Twin Fire is dealing with. So we don't know a lot about the production side of things. Yeah, the, the cool thing about that though is they have a lot of partners in place because I mean, in addition to Greenbrier, they're also working now with Ed Greenwood and his authors. So they have being, novels being developed and um, potentially I might be helping out writing one of those because um, I actually wrote a novel back in 2012 for, for our band Warren Guard and they got a hold of that novel actually at Gen Con and Nino was talking about it and said, hey, can I show this to Ed Greenwood? I'm like, uh yeah you can <laughs> so because I, I mean ed greenwood got me into fantasy he was like the first uh um the band of four novels here it was one of the first fantasy novel series i got into so that was a huge honor so i'm really psyched that he's part of that too what else are you guys working on i mean obviously you kind of sort of been busy but i know you got other things on your plate there's something that's been announced. There's a lot of stuff that we get like offered and, and kind of can't talk about, which like, actually just happened earlier tonight. We've got an awesome email and unfortunately can't talk about it yet, but it's very exciting. Well, Adam, Adam, hold on, hold on. <laughs> just between me and Marty and nobody else is listening. So you just I'll make you a Shut promise. Off. <laughs> I will email you guys the second I can talk about it so we can come back on here. <laughs> oh, there you whoa, go. Whoa, 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 whoa. We, we got that recorded. So get All right. Back on. <laughs> and uh, I guess one thing that has been announced that we can talk about is uh, the guys at Mega that did uh, the myth kickstarter that we kind of um i don't know if you guys know that story about that one um that's kind of a a big huge kickstarter that came that you know made like a million dollars and came out with a, a lot of rules issues for the game that people were having trouble with and so they they had me um basically rewrite the rule book and brady came on to like rework some of the quest cards and kind of clean up their, their 2.0 content um and while we were doing that they wanted us to do a new uh, board game in the myth universe and so we did this game called dark frontier which um is hopefully going to be up on kickstarter sometime next year um and that one it sounds it's it's pretty cool it's it's fun it's another cooperative board game but you get to use all your myth miniatures so yeah that game is uh actually sort of our take on a, a mixture of a tower defense and adventure game um because it's the whole concept of the game is uh, the heroes are in this city and it's like the last city standing against the darkness on the edge of you know battle territory and the darkness is encroaching and the heroes have to set out and kind of stake claim to all these surrounding areas and get support hey defend our city against this these coming enemies and it's a very modular game so any enemy could be attacking and you're just trying to fend them off and survive this assault and then toward the end of the game the general comes out and starts bashing on your city it's it's, it's a pretty climactic uh, game it's pretty cool okay you had me at tower defense <laughs> <laughs> I, I love i've said this on the show before i love tower defense video Video games, and you know, I, I love the idea of trying to make a tower defense game work in a board game. Did you like uh, Dungeon Defenders that video game? Uh, yes. Which one was Dungeon Defenders? I'm getting Orcs Must Die. I, I remember that one. And then Dungeon uh, Defenders was that one where you were the heroes, and you each had different kinds of towers, and um, you just had to protect your crystal from invading monsters. Like kind of RPG ish. Yeah, I like that one. Orcs Must Die. Any tower defense, I just think is a, is a fun game, and the fact that you know it kind of escalates and gets harder over time, and and you just got guys moving along, you're trying to set set them up to make them take the longest path possible to kill them. So I just thinking seeing that in a board game, I think is cool. And I'm not meaning this in a negative way, but it'll probably come out that way, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> remember, you're dealing with Waldorf and Statler here. It seems like there's kind of like cool minis just coming out with a tower defense game, you know? Uh, besieged, yeah. I back that. I'm very excited about that one. Artipius got a tower defense game, and then y'all are talking about this as well. Is there, is that seem to be the next, I don't think it's the next wave or anything. It's just a, what, non 
used mechan or type of theme? Yeah, it's an addicting concept, and I mean, it works really well in the video game scene. Um, I've actually played a couple games. Like uh, that, uh, a really light one was that. Uh, what was that Castle Panic or something that was sort of reminiscent of Tower Defense, you know? Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't see too many. And when I say when I was describing Dark Frontier using Tower Defense, um, it's it's I think it's more light on that end because I mean it's got the concept where you're defending a central citadel, but it's not necessarily borrowing those mechanics from you know video games where you're building turrets and stuff like that. As much as I love that concept too, but it's it's a little less about that and more just about setting up strongholds and and kind of fortifying the land. But um, but yeah, I mean I'd like I wouldn't mind seeing more. <laughs> I usually like those kind of trends, even though there's a little saturation here and there, but I like seeing how different people's take on them, you know? Adam, you were going to say something, sir? I was going to say that Brady probably shouldn't have used the term tower defense because it's, <laughs> it's kind of like a, just a nod at that, that kind of game, but I don't really, I'm, then I'm out. <laughs> you lost I, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get Marty too excited about the game. <laughs> Are there going to be like 10,000 miniatures in it? And it's going to cost us $10,000. It's going to have a few, not, not, Probably like nine thousand, not ten thousand. Okay. <laughs> okay. well, That's in my budget. Well, you know, we'll we'll back. You know, Reaper, just put them in with the Reaper order, or you, I tell you what, just link them to the Reaper Bones order, and we're good. Or whatever. <laughs> Which one did we back, Marty? Uh, yeah, we back all like all of them. We got all these little miniatures lying around all over the place that we've never used. Yeah, I'm starting to know. get that problem where I just have way too many miniatures. <laughs> I just back the the others, Eric Lang's game, and I'm like, there's just so much stuff here. I just can't stop buying it, and I'm, not, I'm probably not going to play with it ever but i want it <laughs> yeah i know well it sounds like you guys are extremely busy you you got a lot of stuff going on you just got you know some great news tonight so we can't wait to see where you're going to go but before we let you go like we do with all our guests we would like for you guys to play our game show rank them so this is how this is going to work we're going to give you a list of three items, and you are going to rank these items in any order that you want. You can tell them why you ranked them that way. For example, you, we could give you vanilla, chocolate, strawberry. You can rank them based on your preference in taste or preference in color, however <laughs> you want. Do you understand how the game is played? I think that makes sense. Can I read the FAQ on this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we, actually, I think we got an errata somewhere already, but anyway. Okay. Here's my first one. Let's start out easy since we're talking about fantasy and everything. Here we go. Warrior, Ranger, Wizard. Um, I'll go first on that one, if you don't mind, Adam. I think I would rank them Ranger first by far. I mean, usually Thief or Rogue is my top, but I have those three Rangers right up there. Um, and I think the reason I pick Ranger is, uh, like I said, I... Adam and I are in a band, and I wrote a book about that band, and we're a fantasy metal band, and my character was a mixture of a thief and a, and a ranger. That's like my ideal archetype for fantasy, so that's my reason for that. Wizard, just because it's more interesting than Warrior, and then Warrior, of course. <laughs> so, okay, for me, I will say, number one would be Cleric. It's way better than anything you just <laughs> give, said. Give him the FAQ. <laughs> yeah, he needs the FAQ. Yeah. No. The FAQ says you can only pick from the three given. <laughs> I will say warrior because I always I like if I'm not playing a healer in a game I like to play a character that can protect other people. Um, so warrior is really cool. Um, wizard because I mean wizards are just way too useful. Like they're just they have something they have a, something for everything except besides staying alive they're really good at everything everything else. Um, <laughs> and then of course last is ranger because I don't care about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, slam. All right. For me and Marty, you've played enough 
MMOs with me, you know Warrior's going to be number one for me, and then it'll go Ranger, and then I don't need no lightweight wizard in my group. <laughs> don't need no glass cannon. No fireballs for you? <laughs> no, I don't need the fireballs. So so for me, and I will say, uh, I didn't put it in the list, but Cleric's my number one, too. I always play a Cleric. I just like a guy that can... Hey, I can I can help heal you, but I can also take a mace and put it in your face, too. So I, I like cleric, but I just want to keep it basic. So for me, I, too, I'm a ranger. I like uh, the range weapons type thing. And then from that, I would go to wizard, even though they're maybe kind of hard to play if somebody gets up on you. And then warriors last for me. I'm just not a get-in-your-face, axe-to-the-face sort of guy. I like to kind of stand back and see the battlefield from far away. So now for mine. So pay attention. The, these this one is a little bit complicated. And uh, oh, great! Yeah. <laughs> Sean Bean's death in GoldenEye, Lord of the Rings, or Patriot Games. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go first on that one because um, I mean, most memorable for me, of course, is Lord of the Rings. Um, I've I've always liked Sean Bean. I think he's really good at dying. Uh, so. Lord of the Rings, a close second is Goldeneye, though, because I love James Bond movies so much. And Goldeneye, besides the video, the N64 game, dominating my teenage years, oh. <laughs> that that movie really stuck with me when I was a kid. I read the novelization, too, because that's when I was first getting into novels. So um, definitely that one. And then actually, I'm embarrassed to say, I know the movie, but I forget how he died in Patriot Games. So that's got to be last because I can't even think about, I forgot he was even in that movie. It's been so long. But that's my third. <laughs> you know, you stole you stole my number three there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would uh, I would have to go Goldeneye first because that was very memorable for me. Um, I because I remember when I saw that, I never even considered that there were other numbered agents. I was like, wow, there's something 007, there's 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 006, there's 008. So that was something that really <laughs> kind of blew my mind at the time. <laughs> um, and it was also very memorable because of the, the video game as well. Um, then Lord of the Rings was one of my favorite movies. So that's got up there. And, uh, again, like Brady, I've seen Patriot games and I'd honestly forget <laughs> how he died. In that <laughs> I know what I'm YouTubing later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that on Netflix? Is I got to watch that again? <laughs> so I was a huge Lord of the Rings fan and a huge, uh, Boromir fan. And I love his story. So that's number one. Uh, number two is, is Goldeneye. And let me just do a quick tangent because I just read a story today because you mentioned GoldenEye, the N64 game. I was reading that when they were playtesting the N64 game, that a lot of the Nintendo types were kind of upset because it was in your face shooting each other and stuff. (laughs) And what they wanted to do at the end of the game, when everybody was done, they wanted to have all the player characters come together and shake hands at the end to show no hard feelings. (laughs) They're all bloody and stuff and missing limbs. Good good game. Good game. Good game. So they released a post-credit scene today showing where they're shaking hands at the end. So there you go. Another thing to YouTube. Um, and, and and last, Tony, I'm sorry. I'm like the other guys. I don't remember Sean Bean being a Patriot game. So Are you sure you got that movie right? <laughs> oh, y'all kill me. Uh, that, that's okay. In Patriot games, he was the his, uh, Harrison Ford kills his brother, and they're on the boat, and he's beating the snot out of Harrison oh. Ford with the anchor and the metal pole. And, and then if I remember correctly, I, I think it's the um, motorboat propeller. 
Ah. But anyway, I can't re- I can't remember completely on that one. So yeah, that's my number three. But oh, he had a mullet in that movie, didn't he? Yes. Okay, it's coming back to me. <laughs> and that's why I thought it would be like number one for Marty the mullet. Anyway, um, <laughs> just kidding, dude. Just kidding with my 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 best friend there. Um, mine's going to be uh, the golden eye as he falls to his death, and his face is like, oh no, and then Boromir as he takes the arrows in his chest, and you're just like, oh, he died. Oh, crap. I got to go read the book. <laughs> Next one. Greg, Peter, Bobby. I guess I should, do, I should go first, right? Because uh, it's my name's thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did this because it's like it just triggered something. I'm, I'm going to base this purely on the remake movies because uh, I, did, I wasn't coherent enough back in my toddler years to enjoy the sitcom. But <laughs> I think I'd have to go with Greg first because that actor who played him was on point. He was awesome. I forget his name, but he was hilarious. And then Peter and Bobby, just the way you named them. Just, I think that's my interest in them. <laughs> that's kind of like sums up for me. I like, I liked Greg in the movie when he's trying to become a, a, a rock star and, uh, Johnny Bravo. Say, Johnny Bravo. Johnny yeah, Bravo. Yeah. <laughs> so Johnny Bravo is number one for me. <laughs> and then I don't, yeah. Then Peter and Bobby, whatever. <laughs> but Peter's, uh, Peter's like puberty voice was pretty good. I think it was in the second Oh yes. One, but, so he's yeah. two. Yeah. Peter's two. Yeah. Um, it's Peter. Got to give love to the middle child. And then of course, Greg. And cause you know, we grew up watching it, Marty, and you got to love those belts, those big wide white belts and things like that that <laughs> Greg wore. He, he was the GQ man and I could care less about Bobby. <laughs> Poor Bobby. I, I will say, Tony, we did watch when we were younger, but it was in syndication. We weren't watching first, first <laughs> run. We aren't that old. So it was syndication reruns. Tony, I'm with you. Peter's the unsung guy. He's the one, you know, everybody talks about the old one, the younger one. So I'm going with Peter number one. Greg, just because he's cool. Johnny Bravo was also a thing in the uh, the TV show, too. And then, like, you, who cares about Bobby? He just got him. <laughs> I did have a Warhammer lore here, but I'm afraid most of the audience wouldn't know that. So we'll revisit that one. I'm, I'm curious if y'all know these characters, but I am going to go with the other one I have. X-Wing fighter, TIE fighter, Slave One. Oh, um, I always, the, the TIE fighters always kind of struck a chord with me when I was younger because um, they were just so different. They're just such different looking ships. Um, so I think TIE fighters are number one. Number two would probably be X-Wing because... They, I think they're cooler than the Slave One. The Slave One never did much for me. I did like Boba Fett when I was a kid, but I didn't like his ship. So <laughs> he's a chump. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna probably like turn a lot of people off here. But like, weirdly enough, don't I do was it. Never, no. I, was not, <laughs> I don't know Brady. I don't know who Brady was, Sadler. Growing up, I was never like that much of a Star Wars fan, and it's not that I didn't like him. I just didn't really didn't follow my radar that much. Um, I liked the movies as a kid, but but recently I've been really getting psyched about the new movies. So now I'm kind of like trying to, you know, revisit a lot of the older stuff. But um, as far as ships go, um, that's probably my least favorite thing about sci-fi things, which is ironic considering that's mostly what sci-fi is, is ships. But that being said, I'd probably have to go with just the, the way they look. So X-Wings look the coolest, I think, and then TIE Fighters. And Slave 1, I mean, I just it looks goofy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it looks weird. <laughs> For me, um, I got to go with Tie Fighter Number One too. I I love the sound they make. The whatever the sound effect they pick for that ship just sounds really cool. And X Wing, and I totally agree. 
aerodynamically, I don't even know how slave one works. I don't know. When, when, when is it upright? I mean, it's like laying down like this and then it's up and flying, you know, sideways. It's, it's it like, sure reminds me of a confused work? robot. Like he's just laying on his back and it's like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? <laughs> I just imagine somebody in like one of those, sh- those electronic shopping carts, but like reclined all the way back and just like going through a grocery store like that. <laughs> That's what I always think of. <laughs> all right. On my side, yeah, TIE Fighter's the obvious winner because, well, it's a human pilot is flying. They don't need no stinking robots to help him fly like, <laughs> like the um x-wing fighter and slave one's last because it screams like a little girl like boba fett you know what i'm saying <laughs> but i do have a question here you guys got credit for the um x-wing miniatures game over there on bgg and yet what am i hearing uh, <laughs> well see i, I kind of wrote brady into that one because i was kind of overwhelmed with descent stuff when i was i called in to help on x-wing i'm like brady you got to help out on this because i got so much stuff to do <laughs> no I, I loved that game but, but to me like i mean it just when i'm watching movies i don't really i mean i watched bsg a lot and i, I love that show but the, the dog fights never do much for me i don't know what it is it's just like a switch that doesn't really click in my head i'm like oh cool whatever action sequences but like the game itself i love the mechanics and i love the you know the, the planning of the path flight path and everything i just i guess it doesn't translate with brady's only interested in vehicles in the game if you have a little guy that can get in and out of it that's all he cares yeah, about. So yeah if, yeah if x-wing had little dudes that could like actually get out of their ship and then fight like on foot then he'd love it <laughs> and sit, sit there in space like oh, <laughs> floating around <laughs> all right before marty wraps this thing up i am curious did you know who the characters felix gotrek and teslas were from warhammer felix and gotrex yes um what was the other one? Okay. Techless. Oh yeah, Techless. He's Tyr- he's Tyrion's twin brother. The high elves. I, I do know quite a bit of lore, so. Okay, I, that was going to be one of them, but I was like, that'd be wasted on Marty, and just, <laughs> we'll just move on. I knew Felix and Gotrix. I, didn't I know, because I beat it in your head. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Yes, you did. So, so let me ask you, Tony, because of that, does this game interest you, Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game? It's a must-buy for me, especially if these guys are going to tell me that those three characters right there will appear. They can neither confirm nor deny, <laughs> but they may appear in future future versions. Can you just can you imagine the art behind uh, Gotrek's axe? Oh, oh my yeah. gosh! Oh, incredible! I'm excited. I'm oh goosebumps. <laughs> Speaking of which, when is the game supposed to hit retail? Um, we are under the assumption. I mean, obviously, we have we heard many times this year, so we don't have much this year left. So I'm praying for next month, November, sometime. Like that's that's. <laughs> they said, you know, they told us, yeah, it should be here definitely before the holidays. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed for November or something. Fantastic! So everybody can keep the eye out for that. A year from now, you've got folklore coming out. You got other projects. I, I queued up. Uh, you, you guys are rocking right now. You've had your hands in a lot of uh, big things, and you've come up with a lot of great games, and we can't wait to see where you go from here. Appreciate Thank it. You very Thank much. You. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It is It has been a total pleasure. I got to play the demo of this game at Gen Con, and I thought, okay, this is really cool because I love my co-op games too. And I thought, how is this going to work with just four cards and four actions? But it worked really well. And I will say, too, I was a big fan of the Pathfinder Adventure card game. But you're right. There is a lot more co-optiness in this game and the way that mechanically it works. Because with Pathfinder, you are everybody kind of splits and goes to their own location mm-hmm. and does their own thing. And here you're all together. And I really like that feel. And there is a lot of cross-table communications. I'll help you if you do this, this turn, all this. So really well done. It really does uh, shine. On when it comes to the co-op aspect. Awesome. That's what we aim for. I appreciate it. That's the best thing we could hear. <laughs> so again, thank you guys so much for coming on. And like you said, whenever you get this other thing that you're going to announce, you can tell us and you can come back on later and share it with us. 
Yeah, or just come on and talk. It was a blast, guys. Yeah, uh, thanks for having us. We'd love to come back whenever you guys want us. Well, are y'all going to be BGG? I wish. No, I got a, I, I got a kid coming this week sometime, so I'll be getting my hands tied. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but here's the th- BGG con's not for another month, dude. <laughs> oh, it, it may, it maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll be in good hands by then. We'll see. <laughs> I'll see how how much sleep I get. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. I know that is a massive um, RPG that you have to encounter, and leveling <laughs> up is often complicated, as you know. It oh, is. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you very much, guys. So, guys, just keep rolling dice. (laughs) Are you saying we went long? (laughs) Is that your way of saying we need to stop? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I mean, what what is left to say, man? We had a great rankum. We had great guests. We got great information. What, what more do we need to talk about? So you're saying it would only go downhill from here? Well, yeah. Well, then with that, I'll say, and taking names. Thanks for listening to RDTN. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our BGG Guild. Like us on Facebook. Welcome to the show, Adam and... Oh my gosh. Brady. <laughs> Looks kind of like Brody, but... <laughs> really? No. <laughs> I, 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 had, I, I, I was going to say Sandler. <laughs> the stutter, yep. <laughs> you might know him from Billy Madison. Well, Marty, you know, I talked about finally getting my shipment from Fun Again Games last week, right? Yes. And one thing I will tell you, those boys know how to pack a box full of peanuts. <laughs> it's uh, all available spaces full of packing peanuts. Well, that's good, though. It's protecting your valuable games. Absolutely right. You open that up and boom, up into your face go a bunch of peanuts. You may want to wear your safety glasses, but you're right. That is very important because you want them to come to your house dent free. Yes, because I've ordered some games from Amazon before and sometimes they don't pack them as well. And sometimes the corners will get dinged up for the way they package them. So great customer service, expert packing, shipping, all that good stuff. Fun again games. Check them out for your next adventures in gaming. Thank you for checking out a United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find All Us Geeks, a podcast that discusses board games, movies, television, comics, Kickstarter, and many other forms of geek culture. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com.